Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, riding solo for this episode, as Nick Horwat will be back with us on Thursday's episode with two very special guests. So we're going to go from one host on today's show and two four hosts on Thursday's show, so you can be ready for that. We'll announce the guest at the end of this episode, but we have a pretty good show for you guys today. Obviously, our 90s team results of our 90s snake draft from our last episode have not been announced yet because Horowat's not here. We're going to wait until Horowat comes on for Thursday's episode. So if you have yet to, head over to any of our social handles at Iceberg Podcast and cast your vote. Is it Team Igloo, who is currently in the lead, which is my team, or is it Team RoboPen? Again, go cast your vote at inside or sorry at iceberg podcast you could go to at inside penguins as well as it is retweeted on that page but we have a really good episode for you guys today we're going to talk a little bit about jake gensel we're going to talk a little bit about the world juniors as they're getting ready to kick off tomorrow and then of course we have our weekly pens poll which features around the two birthday boys the one from last week evgeny malkin turning 36 and the one from yesterday 8787. How can you forget it? Captain Sidney Crosby turned 35 years old yesterday. That's what we get to talk about in the middle of the summer because that is when all of the great birthdays are for the current iteration of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But speaking of great Pittsburgh Penguins, let's start off talking about Jake Gensel. When you look at Jake Gensel, clearly he is the best winger on the Pittsburgh Penguins and is the best winger for the Pittsburgh Penguins probably in the Sidney Crosby era. I would argue that is a pretty easy case there. I mean, yes, you had guys like Jerome McGinley, who's a Hall of Famer. You had a guy like Marian Hossa, who's a Hall of Famer. Chris Kunitz was very good for a very long time alongside Sidney Crosby. James Neal was really good with, with Evgeny Malkin. But if you look at a Penguin and their career with the Penguins alone, Jake Gensel has to be up there, if not the best winger in the Sidney Crosby era from 2005 to now and hopefully for the next six years of the Sidney Crosby era. But Gensel, I mean, came onto the scene really, really well. Two goals in his first game. Amazing first playoff appearance to go win the Stanley Cup in 2017. And now you look at it up until last season where he had 84 points in, let me scroll down here and see, 76 games, which tied for the lead for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So you talk about an entire era where it is Sidney Crosby leading in these categories, Evgeny Malkin leading in these categories, and now you have Jake Gensel, who in two different years has led the Penguins in goal scoring with 40 goals, and now has led the team in points for a season last year, where he scored 84 points. Tied with Crosby, but you still have to give it to him. So that begs the question, where does Jake Gensel rank currently among left wingers in all of hockey? Because centers is where a lot of the Hart Trophy, Art Ross Trophy winners are currently playing. I mean, your Austin Matthews, your Leon Dreisaitl's, your Connor McDavid's. But if you look at the left wing position, there's honestly a lot fewer, I think, than in any other position where... You have people that are just stacked. Obviously, there's plenty of good players, plenty of good left wingers. But I would say that there is no doubt in my mind that Jake Gensel is a top 10 left winger in the National Hockey League. I think that is something that if you ask most people, they would agree with. 
The question then becomes, how high up in that top 10 would I put Jake Gensel? And I'd like to pose this question to Horowat when he comes back, and we will have to, maybe not get into it as a full segment. But when I look at Jake Gensel, his ability with the puck, his hockey IQ, the chemistry that he has with both star centers, it's not just with Sidney Crosby. We've seen on multiple occasions that he plays extremely well with Evgeny Malkin in the middle, too. So the fact that he's able to play with different centers, he drives play, which is what I think distincts him from Chris Kunitz, is that Kunitz was a little bit more of a passenger with Sidney Crosby on his line. When you look at Gensel, he drives play a lot more than Chris Kunitz used to do. Not to say that Kunitz was a bad player, but the way that Jake Gensel is able to create opportunities, not just for himself, but for other line mates. I mean, you look at the way that Gensel, Crosby, and Raquel played at the end of last season. They were all driving play extremely well. And, and even with Rust on that right side, they all drive play extremely well. But for the first time in Sidney Crosby's career, he has a winger and has had a winger for the past three, four, almost five seasons now that can drive play and can create opportunities for him, not just for Sidney Crosby to be the sole contributor and the sole creator of opportunities in the offensive zone. So the fact that Gensel can put all of that together, the fact that he is now a two-time 40-goal scorer, he is a two-time NHL All-Star, and he scored over a point a game in a full season last year. We, we've we seen him go over a point a game when he got injured in 2019-20. Yeah, I think he had 40-some points in, in, in 40 games or something like that. He had over a point a game in the year in the year prior to last season. And then last year, though, when he comes out and he does that, and weirdly enough, I feel like his performance last season gets overlooked a lot because he had 84 points in 76 games. He did score 40 goals, but you don't really see people talking about it. He might not be the flashiest player, but he goes out and he produces, and he produces massive numbers, which is is odd because obviously he's not going out there stick handling around everybody, deking everybody. He's kind of molded into a net front presence. The one thing that Jake Gensel has always been able to do was find the soft spot in the offensive zone, get open for a really good opportunity, and finish. But what he's had to do since the trading of Patrick Hornfist a couple off-seasons ago, he's had to become that net front presence primarily on the Pittsburgh Penguins' top power play unit. And while, yes, last year was the first year that we actually saw him able to kind of get used to that role, he scored 15 goals on the man advantage last year, him, him being able to stand his ground, find those soft spots better like he was able to do earlier in his career, and capitalize on those opportunities down in front, we're starting to see him mold into a complete player. We're starting to see him reach the peak of his abilities. He's heading into his year 27 season, which for a lot of players, especially in the new NHL, even though they're starting a lot younger, we have a lot more 18-year-olds breaking into the National Hockey League, you're starting to see that 27 to 30 is usually the prime of these players' careers nowadays. Jake Gensel's heading into his year 27 season. I think he is extremely, extremely talented. And I think that where he's at currently in his career, matched with where other players in the left-wing position are currently at in their careers, I have him ranked, this is a very long lead-up, I have him ranked at number six. I think he is right, battling for the sixth spot right now with Alex Dabrinkit in my, in my mind. Newly acquired by the Ottawa Senators, Dabrinkit 
was a, another player that was very underrated last season considering what he was able to go out and do. He did it, though, on a Chicago Blackhawks team with Patrick Kane, with Jonathan Taves, that won no hockey games. So not very many people paid attention to him last year. It's weird with Gensel because it's a similar situation where he's around the same age, a little bit older, but he goes out and he puts up these massive points, but isn't really talked about all that much, especially in the national media. You know, Pittsburgh media will cover him until they're blue in the face. Sometimes less so, obviously, than Crosby and Malkin and Latang and all of that information. But Jake Gensel is just always seemingly there, and he's always seemingly putting up points. So I have him currently at sixth among left wings. The left wingers that I have ahead of him, in no particular order, because I'm not going to get into that. Kirill Kaprizov of the Minnesota Wild. Alex Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals. Newly acquired Calgary Flame Jonathan Huberto. Former Calgary Flame Johnny Gaudreau. And New York Ranger Artemi Panarin. That's the top five for me. In no particular order. I would think present day I'd still have Ovi at number one. I'll give you that much. So Ovi, Kaprizov, Huberto, Gaudreau, and Panarin. And it's funny too because if you look at Gensel, and I'm saying he's underrated in national media, if you look at him and you look at the other names on this list, clearly Ovechkin is not. Clearly Kaprizov is not. Huberto, Gaudreau, and even Panarin to a certain extent, they're all in the similar boat right there. They're all kind of underrated based on what they are able to go out and do. Maybe less so Panarin, but Gaudreau and Huberto especially. They both put up over 100 points last year. Huberto had 89 assists, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have that written down in front of me. They're all kind of underrated players. So it's interesting to me that Gensel kind of falls in the line with that. And I have him ranked at number six. And now I just mentioned that, you know, Huberto, Gaudreau, 100-point seasons. Alex Ovechkin, obviously, was Alex Ovechkin putting up copious amounts of goals. But that begs the question. Can Jake Gensel put together a 100-point season? This season is his best opportunity to do so. This season and next season, when he's 27 and 28 and Sidney Crosby is 35 and 36. Because we all expect Sidney Crosby to be his center. And obviously the best chance for Gensel to get 100 points is if Sidney Crosby scores 100 points. Which, coincidentally, is the last player to do so in a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform. Crosby scored 100 on the dot back in the 2018-19 season. And no Pittsburgh Penguin has scored 100 since. Two shortened seasons kind of make it a little bit more difficult. But if you look at Jake Gensel, last season, 84 points, 76 games played, clearly and easily the most points that he has ever scored in a season. He's been over a point a game the past three seasons, totaling 184 points and 171 games played. And like I mentioned and talked about earlier in this segment, he's starting to come into his own. He's starting to become that fully rounded, fully formed player that we all expected him to be. Obviously, he had to work on it going into last season, that net front presence, that ability to stand his ground with bigger defensemen barreling down on him to try to remain in front of the net and score those garbage goals. He did it last year, which got him to 40 goals. Playing with Sidney Crosby, who also scored 84 points. Like I said, this season and next season are his best chance because that is Sidney Crosby at the height of what is remaining of his powers. We don't know how, how long Sidney Crosby is going to be able to be a point-per-game player. He's been that for 18 seasons now. But you have to imagine that it's not going to slow down next year, and it probably won't st slow down the year after that. 
with Gensel as his primary winger, and Gensel also, like I said, able to drive play, I could see Jake Gensel potentially being a 100-point player this year or next year. But if he doesn't do it in those two years, I have to say I don't think he's ever going to do it. Because while I think he has what it takes, he has the skill set, he's in the current situation, that's a good situation for him to do it, I don't think he's a guy that can get there on his own. I don't think he's a guy that can get there with a less than elite center in between, or right next to him. Not to say that he's relying on Crosby, because I know a lot of people have said that in the past, and I think that is blatantly wrong. But I think in order to do something like that, a 100-point season, he does need to play a full year with Sidney Crosby. You look at last year, we said 76 games played. Jake Gensel was dealing with COVID at the outset of the season. Sidney Crosby was dealing with a wrist injury. Crosby came back, played one game or two games, was out with COVID, and then took a little bit to get his feet underneath him. If Crosby and Gensel can hit the ground running and play a full 82 games or, or something of that sort, then they'll both have 100-point seasons. And I know that's lofty expectations. I know that's hopeful thinking. I know that's, hey, it's August. You haven't watched real hockey in a while. We'll get to watch real hockey tomorrow in the World Juniors, which I'll preview here coming up in the next segment. But I do think, especially with the way the league is now, where there's starting to become more and more scoring than ever, there were eight players last season that passed that 100-point mark. There were four others that were over the point mark of 95, including a defenseman in Roman Yossi. So if there's ever a time for a guy who's going into his age 27 season, who's coming off of his best season yet, who's playing with one of the greatest centers of all time at the height of his power still, if there was ever a time for Jake Gensel, it's this year or next year. It's the same thing I've been saying about the Pittsburgh Penguins winning another Stanley Cup in the Sidney Crosby era. It is the next best chance, or the best chance is your next chance. That's, that, that's what I've been saying. And the same holds true for this conversation. The best chance for Jake Kensel to score 100 points is his next chance. And that'll hold true next season as well. If he doesn't get it this year, his best chance will be the next chance. And then after that, I don't necessarily think he'll ever hit it if he doesn't in the next two years. And that's obviously, you know, caveat. He needs to remain healthy, stuff like that. But I think one of the main reasons is I do expect Sidney Crosby to be healthier this year. At least knock on wood. I'm hoping that happens because everybody wants to watch a full season of Sidney Crosby. In particularly, Jake Gensel wants to see that. And secondly, I mentioned his work on the power play last year. How he started to become a little bit more comfortable in that net front presence area. Making himself find the soft spots. Living between trees, basically, in the NHL when it comes to the, the tough power or penalty kill unit on opposing defenses. He scored 15 goals on the power play last year on the 19th ranked power play in the National Hockey League. I know that's one of the big things, and we've talked about it on this podcast. The Penguins need to fix their power play. They do. I think that they're going to be better this year than they were last season. Part of that is Crosby and Malkin aren't coming off of surgeries to start the season. Chris Letang is locked up, but he's coming off of one of his best seasons ever. Jake Gensel and Brian Rust and Ricard Raquel all heading into their primes. Raquel being on the latter half, and, and so is Brian Rust. But Jake Gensel certainly hit, heading into the beginning of his prime. I think their power play figures it out a little bit better the next season. So I think that at 15 goals on the power play, you can probably shoe him in for closer to 20. Maybe even 22 to 23, maybe 25 at most. But if he does that, he's going to be knocking on 50's door. 
I'm not somebody that's going to come out here and champion the fact that Jake Gensel is going to be a 50 goal scorer because that's a very hard number to reach. I know we just watched Austin Matthews go off last season. I know we also watched Chris Kreider go off last season, especially on the power play. I can see a similar season for Gensel that we saw for Chris Kreider of the New York Rangers last year, where he scores almost maybe even 50 goals, but a lot of that work is done on the Pittsburgh Penguins power play, which would be good for the power play, which would be good for the team, and which would be good for Jake Gensel. So to close this entire conversation up, this deep 17-minute conversation on Jake Gensel that I appreciate everybody listening to me drown on about my appreciation for the sixth best left winger in the National Hockey League. Do I think he scores 100 points in a season? Yes, I think he does. But if he doesn't get it done in the next two seasons, then I don't think he ever will. We're going to take a quick break here. When we return, let's preview the World Juniors because usually August, there's no hockey. We're getting a treat with the 2022 World Junior Championships starting tomorrow. We'll preview that after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We talked a lot about Jake Gensel in the first segment there. And obviously, I just felt like he wasn't getting his due at all. It's been a quiet offseason for Jake Gensel. If you checked out the Pittsburgh Penguins social media over the weekend, he's just chilling up at the lake in Minnesota at his lake house. So it's been a nice quiet offseason. For Jake Gensel, especially considering how loud the offseason has been for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I expect that once the season kicks in, it's going to be a loud year for Jake Gensel. But let's talk about the World Juniors because the 2022 World Junior Championships will drop the puck tomorrow on August 9th of 2022. It is obviously the makeup for the one that was supposed to occur earlier this year in late December, early January, but COVID had other plans. Therefore, we get competitive international hockey in August. The last time that we got this on an international stage was the World Cup of Hockey in 2016, and we all really enjoyed that. At least the last one that I can remember. Competitive men's international hockey, the last one I can think of was August of 2016. Of course, we had August in 2020 for the bubble playoffs, but that was an entirely different animal. So looking at this, from a Penguins standpoint, if you missed my article that I put out on InsideThePenguins.com on Friday, the Penguins have one prospect that will be representing them at the World Junior Championships. And his name is not Joel Blomqvist, who was initially supposed to be one of the goaltenders for Team Finland. He was on the team in January. But due to wanting to strive for his NHL career, putting that as his top priority, Team Finland has decided not to invite him back for the World Juniors at this juncture for August. So the only Penguins prospect is 20-year-old winger, Ravis Ansons. He will be playing for Team Latvia, who as of right now is the team that has the worst odds to win it all. Obviously, Ansons from Latvia, the second player in the Pittsburgh Penguins 
entire organization to be from Riga, Latvia. The other one being Teddy Bluger, the current fourth line center for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But when you look at Anson's, he did participate in June's prospect development program and development leader Tom Kostopoulos came out and he said, you know, I'm very excited about Ravis. I think he does all the right things. He's somebody that doesn't really get talked about a lot because he does mostly the small things, but he does them all correctly and he does them all well, which is boding well for a guy that honestly, at the age of 20, if you do that and you come up and you can bring a little bit of offensive flair, especially in the AHL, maybe turns into a good depth piece, maybe turns into a great fourth liner for the Penguins a couple years down the road, maybe even a third liner for the Penguins a couple years down the road if he finds a little bit more of a scoring touch. But he is a big depth piece for Team Latvia. He is gritty. Tom Kostopoulos mentioned, this guy goes out there, how many 20-year-olds do you know that goes out there and just blocks shots the way that Ravis does? So he's a guy that is going to be great in all aspects of the game, power play, penalty kill, even strength. And he's somebody that if you're trying to get into World Juniors, if you're somebody that usually doesn't watch them and wants to see a Penguin standpoint, check out Team Latvia. You have Ravis Anson's the lone Penguins prospect at the World Junior Championships this fall. One other extra stat about Ravis Anson's, other obviously, other than the fact that he was drafted in the fifth round of the 2020 draft by the Penguins, he won the Memorial Cup this past year, which is obviously, if you're not aware of it, a huge deal for juniors in Canada, won it with the St. John's Sea Dogs this season and was a pretty integral piece to that team that, if I'm not mistaken, also had Mason McTavish, who is going to be somebody that is going to be highlighted over the next two weeks at World Juniors, definitely as one of the best players in the tournament for Team Canada. So when you look at it, I'm very excited to see what Anson is able to do in this tournament. This is a very, very big stage for him and for Team Latvia. Obviously, Teddy Bluger is going to be rooting for him as well, but we'll have to see what him and Team Latvia are able to do. Like I said, they have the worst odds to win it all. I'll talk about my projection and my pick of who's going to win World Juniors, but it doesn't seem to be Team Latvia, but it'll be nice to watch a little bit of a Penguins prospect in Ravis Anson's. So like I mentioned, the tournament starts tomorrow. Team Czechia versus Team Slovakia kick things off. At 2 p.m. Eastern, now the tournament is taking place in Edmonton, Alberta. So if you look on the website for the IAHF, it's going to have 12. And then in, in parentheses, it's going to have 1,400. And, and that's the Eastern Standard Time for most of us listening for Pittsburgh and, and the entire East Coast. So at 2 p.m. Eastern, the tournament starts with Team Czechia versus Team Slovakia. It's going to be an interesting one, definitely. I do think that it's a tournament that is really Team Canada's to lose. Unfortunately, you know, I'd like to back the United States. I would. But if you look at the the odds that I'll pull up right now on the video version, if you aren't watching the video version, you can by visiting Inside Penguins on YouTube. And please download, subscribe, all of that fun stuff. But if you look at the odds right now, Canada is the favorite. USA is a little bit behind. And then there's kind of a, a block from two to four. USA, Finland, and Sweden are all from two to four. And then it drops off with the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Germany, all of that down to Latvia, as I mentioned, who has the worst odds at plus 50,000. I should say they're tied for the worst odds with Team Austria. But it really is Canada's, Canada's year to lose. Normally, I'd like to back the United States. A couple years ago, the United States team was phenomenal. Maddie Beneers, 
of the Seattle Kraken. You had Cole Caulfield. You had Arthur Kaliev. You had Alex Turcott. That team was phenomenal. You look at this, this year's Team USA, they're not bad. There's a reason they are number two on the list of odds at plus 375. You get to watch Logan Cooley, the number three overall draft pick in this year's draft, drafted to the Coyotes. Thomas Bordalo is another player I'm going to be intrigued to watch for Team USA. He's the Sharks prospect. But then you go on to the other side of things, and you look at Team Canada. And they are stacked, like completely and utterly stacked. Obviously, Sebastian Kosa, probably the best goaltender in the entire tournament, so that's already a leg up. And then you look at some of the forwards that they're able to have. Mason McTavish, I already mentioned, he's a Ducks, uh, Ducks prospect, excuse me. Kent Johnson of the Blue Jackets was a first-rounder last year. He's going to be extremely entertaining to watch. And, of course, probably the best player to perform in this entire tournament is going to be the prospected number one overall pick next year in Connor Bedard. He's expected to be probably the best top pick. This might be going out of the ledge a little bit. I think the only one that would be around him is Jack Hughes, but the best first round pick, best first overall pick, probably since Austin Matthews back in 2016. This kid, you watch him, he scores in numbers. He scores in so many different ways. He has a great shot. He's a great skater. And he also has those highlight reel goals. He almost plays around with people in the CHL. So he's clearly going to be the number one overall pick next year. I think the only person close to him is Matvey Michkov, who just suffered an awful leg injury over the weekend. If you didn't see it, you can visit my Twitter at Nick underscore Berlansky. I, I retweeted it. Crappy play there by, I believe it was Alexi Yemlin former NHLer, went knee to knee and it did not look good for Mishkov. So obviously thoughts and prayers out to him, but he's the closest guy to Bedard. When you watch Connor Bedard play, and if you haven't watched a lot of it, the next two weeks are going to be a great opportunity because he's going up against some of the best competition that he has ever faced. And he's probably still going to go out there and skate circles around them. That, that's my prediction is that Connor Bedard is going to be the player of this tournament. It, it's fairly obvious in my opinion. So while... I do think Team USA has has constructed a pretty good team. Well, I do think they're obviously going to contend for a top three spot. I, I think anything less than that would be a disappointment. I don't know if they're going to be able to take out Team Canada. Now, they're in separate pools, which means they won't face until the tournament stages. So we'll see what happens with that. USA could come out with a one seed. Canada could come out with a one seed, meaning they would avoid each other until the entire finals. But I do think if they go head-to-head, -head, and I think anybody that's about to go head-to-head -head with Team Canada is running straight into a buzzsaw. So my official pick, I know it's it's not going to make anybody a lot of money, but plus 125 for Team Canada, I think it is, is the way to go on this tournament. I mean, it is truly their tournament to lose. I've said it so many times because it's so very true. But nonetheless, I'm very excited because when do we ever get hockey like this, like the World Juniors, in August. It doesn't happen very often. Like I said, it happened in 2020 with the bubble playoffs. It happened in 2016 with the World Cup of Hockey. We never get to watch these types of tournaments in August, and I'm very excited that we do this year, especially because it's been a while since that last game between the Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche, and as of right now, it is 66 days until the Pittsburgh Penguins take on the Arizona Coyotes to kick off the 2022 23 season but speaking of 66 that takes us to our weekly pens poll where we're going to finish off this episode 
The question we asked involves the great Mary Lemieux as well as the two birthday boys, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. And then we also throw Yarmir Yager in that because that just rounds out the top four in Pittsburgh Penguins history. The question we asked was, which pair of teammates will go down as the best on ice Penguins duo in franchise history? I was genuinely surprised by the result of this. Because I, I told Horwat last week after I said that this is what was going to go out. I said, you know what? I might be on the losing side of this. I, and I'm perfectly fine with that because I was on the underdog side of last week's Pence poll. Surprisingly, though, 58% of voters on our Twitter page at Iceberg Podcast said, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin will go down as the best on-ice duo in Penguins history over Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager. Now, this is one of the closer polls that we have had over the entire offseason at 58 to 42. But I was genuinely surprised that people went with Crosby and Malkin. That that many people went with Crosby and Malkin. I didn't think that they weren't going to get any votes. But I'm genuinely surprised that they were able to come out and pull out the victory in this poll. And I, I, I agree with it. Because when I, I look at this... Lemieux and Yager walked, so Crosby and Malkin could run. But the big part about that is that Crosby and Malkin actually ran. They took the baton, and they did what they were supposed to do. Three Stanley Cups, Crosby has copious amounts of awards. Malkin has copious amounts of awards. Haven't missed a playoffs in 16 years. 16 of 17 of Crosby's seasons. All of them with Malkin, they've always been in the playoffs. So... Lemieux and Yager walked so Crosby and Malkin could run. I understand that the framework without Lemieux off the ice would not have been set for Crosby and Malkin to do what they're doing on the ice in the city of Pittsburgh. Might have done it in Kansas City, but they weren't going to do it in the city of Pittsburgh if it wasn't for Mario Lemieux and, to an extent, Yarmir Yager as well. And if you go back, you know, revisionist history... What happens if the Penguins aren't horribly run through the 90s and end up having to sell off Yarmir Yager? What happens if they can hold on to Yager for his entire career? Which, looking back now, seems like an almost ridiculous thing considering how many teams and how many places he's played at. And he's still playing at in or, sorry, the Czech Republic. But if they were able to hold on to that, maybe this is a different question. But if you look into it, they only played seven seasons together. It's kind of crazy to think that two of the best players in franchise history that we always say, hey, the duos are Crosby, Malkin, Lemieux, Yager. Lemieux and Yager only played seven years together. Two Stanley Cups, both very early, obviously, in Yager's career. Yarmir Yager went out, won five Art Ross trophies, one Hart trophy, and two Lester B. Pearson awards. Mario Lemieux won a Calder. Six Art Ross trophies, three Hart trophies, four Lester B. Pearson awards, two Conn Smythes, and was overall the best player on this list. And that's the thing. Lemieux is the greatest player of all time in my estimation. So Lemieux is greater than Crosby. And I think overall, as a player, not as a Pittsburgh Penguin, but as a player, Yarmir Yager is greater than Evgeny Malkin. I'm, I'm not reinventing the wheel with that with that take. So while Lemieux and Yager outpunched the two players in their same weight class head-to-head, -head, 
when it comes to narrowing it down with the Pittsburgh Penguins' legacy. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Longevity plays a massive factor. 16 years. When all said and done, it could be 20 plus years of thrilling hockey. Now, do they need to go out and perform? Yes, they do. Because right now, it's 16 straight years with a postseason streak. They're going to be fighting an uphill battle the next couple of years because of how good the Metropolitan Division is, how good the Eastern Conference is. But that remains to be seen. Right now, 16 straight playoff appearances. Three Stanley Cups. Sidney Crosby has two Art Ross trophies. Two Hart trophies. Three Lester B. Pearson awards. Two Rocket Richards. And is a two-time Conn Smythe winner with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's not take into account all international stuff because Lemieux and Crosby would both just be ridiculously good. Evgeny Malkin has the Calder. He's a two-time Art Ross. He's a one-time Hart Trophy winner. He is a one-time Lester B. Pearson Award winner. And he won the 2009 Conn Smythe Award for the playoffs MVP. All of that combined with the fact that for over 20 years they would have brought entertaining, physical, astounding, great hockey to the city of Pittsburgh. That's why I go with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin over Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager. But the point remains that Pittsburgh Penguins fans are incredibly spoiled to have been able to watch all four of these players play very good hockey in the city of Pittsburgh. Would it be different if Lemieux hadn't had, obviously, the issues with, with cancer, the issues with his back, the issues with ownership? Same thing with Yarmir Yager, issues with ownership. But And, and Sidney Crosby, concussions, Malkin, multiple injuries. These players have been great and haven't necessarily had easy careers either. They've dealt with a lot of crap. So the fact that all of them have persevered, all of them have been great on the ice and off the ice. That's the big thing. Look at Crosby. Look at Evgeny Malkin. Look at Mario Lemieux. I mean, need we say more than those three names when it comes to pillars of athletes giving back to the community in which they play for? So Pittsburgh Penguins fans, Pittsburgh fans in general, absolutely spoiled to get to have these three and four superstars play for them and reside in the city of Pittsburgh for the past 30 plus years. But if we're boiling it down to on the ice with the Penguins, I, I take Crosby and Malkin. I know I'm surprised. I'm, I genuinely am surprised that 58% of you agree with me. But I guess that just goes to show you got to wait until the votes are counted before you make assumptions. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Horlot will be back on Thursday's episode with me to talk to Smitty and Tyler Weeks of Around the 412. We will be discussing all things Pittsburgh Penguins offseason and heading into next season with those two guys. We're excited to have them on. Also, because this week is a Penguins lunch week, I'll just give the announcement out now to get everybody excited. Wednesday, 1 p.m. on Inside Penguins on YouTube, it's me, it's Josh Getzoff, the radio voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins, on Penguins Lunch, talking all things summer of hockey, Pittsburgh Penguins. And I'm going to ask him, it, what, where did you come up with it's a two-point party on Fifth Avenue? It seems pretty obvious, but we'll have to double-check it and hear the story in full from Josh on Wednesday. But that's going to do it from this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
please make sure you rate, review, download, subscribe on whatever platform you're watching or listening on. We appreciate all the support as this offseason rolls on. We're 66 days away from game number one, Penguins and Coyotes at PPG Paints Arena. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a great week, Penguins fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.